0: Log talk radio this land is mine
1: God gave this land to me this brave Good evening. Welcome to Yachty Radio. We're pleased to be uh, with you. We've got a little static here on JB's line, but he's uh, he's tried a couple of times to call in. We'll see how long we can uh, uh, deal with it. Sounds like you're underwater. Uh, JB is what it sounds like. Uh, the uh, and a couple of items in the news. Uh, always uh, approach the news with a bit of trepidation uh, since uh, it's. Uh, rather obvious the thought police uh, don't like it if you uh, report on news that uh, they view is uh, unfit for people to uh, hear uh, this first news story is from Reuters uh, I would think that would meet the uh, thought police's uh, criterion uh, the uh, Reuters is uh, is announcing that uh, and a number of other news media uh, picked this up Uh, that there is still a caste system that is uh, alive and well in Central Africa. Mali, which is uh, one of the largest African countries, uh, sub-Saharan country, uh, still has a caste system and still has uh, slavery. And slavery is uh, based upon um, whom you were born to. Uh, The reason I bring this up is that the Uh, The religious in Mali are exceedingly eager to beat and suppress those that they consider to be slaves. Uh, Should you wonder what the religion is in Mali, 95% of uh, the folks of Mali are Muslims. About uh, 2% are animists, about 2% are Christians, and about 2% don't quite know what they are. Uh, So in the Muslim community, um, slavery exists. Now, the reason this is important is we're hearing a lot of rhetoric about critical race theory and about America being a racist nation and that its uh, institutions uh, must be completely revised to reverse the negative effects of racism. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that if you were to look at African countries, racism is not only alive and well, but so is slavery. And if you think that that African communities would do better if they were not influenced by Uh, Caucasian social customs, society, and contribution, then I would invite you to go live in in any African country. See what it's like to live now in the Republic of South Africa. See what it's like to live in Zimbabwe. See what it's like to live in the Sudan. Try Somalia out for size. Consider living in Egypt. How about Libya? Or would you prefer Valley? Or to be a school child in uh, Nigeria. And subject yourself to African culture there. Or you want something a little closer to home, check out Haiti. Haiti is the one country that was never colonialized. It is an African culture that has always been an African culture. Life isn't worth living there. So there is something drastically wrong by suggesting that the African community would be better off if there were no Caucasians. But the evidence is exactly the opposite. And you could take this one step further and to say that why don't you name a country, heck, not just today, in the history of humankind, where regardless of race, you have opportunity, opportunity for education, opportunity for advancement through that society, opportunities economically, society in all possible ways. I would like you to name a country where there is there are fewer restraints on upward mobility in the history of humanity. And the fact are there there are none. Never. So this myth that we need to teach critical race theory to somehow undo the wrongs that have taken place in America is utter and complete nonsense. That doesn't mean that there aren't some occasions that are racist. And the more we continue to promote critical race theory and Black Lives Matter, there's going to be a whole lot more of them. But they're actually more racist among percentage-wise among blacks than there are Caucasians. So I just thought I'd bring that to your attention. There are a series of riots right now that are taking place in Lebanon. And you may wonder what's going on there. The, uh, the protests are sponsored by Hezbollah. Hezbollah wants to, wants to deal with the, uh, the second of, uh, of uh, judges that have been appointed for the express purpose of trying to get to the bottom of the problems that occurred, uh, um, uh, leading to the uh, blast uh, that uh, mm-hmm. killed so many in that uh, country when uh, uh, the port explosion occurred. Um, yeah. and. The first, they, uh, the Muslims, uh, had a conniption fit and said, oh, it was bias, biased. He's, he's targeting uh, Hezbollah supporters, and therefore he has to be removed. So the second one has been appointed, and son of a gun, he's uh, finding that the same people are complicit. And now they're not only saying that he has to be removed, but if he's not removed, we're going to kill people until he is removed. And that's why they're rioting. So why would Hezbollah be so concerned that the truth would be ascertained regarding the port explosion? you guys have any idea?
0: Well, it's probably because they're involved. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, there was a, a Russian uh, uh, freighter uh, carrying what with, uh, with aluminum nitrate was, the uh, fertilizer. That's a weapons-grade uh, material. Uh, yeah, yeah, it uh, it arrived there, uh, and uh, everybody thought, oh well, you know, it's a, the ship just needs to unload its cargo, do a little uh, repairs, and they'll be on their way. And it was intended to go someplace else. They'll never intended to go someplace else. Brought in Lebanon for the purpose of supplying Hezbollah with the ability to blow anything they wanted to blow to smithereens. And. The interesting thing about it is that they found out that the ship was owned by somebody with ties to Hezbollah and that it was unloaded at the discretion of Hezbollah and that when the explosion occurred, oh, guess what? 80% of the aluminum nitrate was already gone. Guess who took it and guess why? And so Hezbollah doesn't want anybody to know and therefore, the truth, well, the truth is as unpopular in Lebanon as it is with the thought police here in America. Speaking of truth being unpopular, uh, U.S. pastors are, uh, are now, um, God, I'm looking at this, this moronic dude in his Hawaiian shirt with a, uh, a sports coat over it, and he is uh, addressing a uh, Waveland, Mississippi audience in his uh, church. It's got his artificial uh, ficus plant uh, there and and uh, all of the accoutrements of the uh, religiosity. Uh, And he's saying that you don't need to be vaccinated, and if they're telling you to be vaccinated, you need to threaten to sue your employer based upon religious discrimination, so where is it in that rubbish that Paul inspired that it says, Thou shall not be vaccinated.
2: Uh,
1: Please tell me.
2: Because these
1: morons say that it is, that it is a, uh, an, a, a, uh, an assault against their religious freedom. For society to say, you need to be intelligent and be vaccinated because if you're not vaccinated, you're a threat to the rest of us. You're a threat because you are more likely to contract the disease, and you're more likely to spread it, and you're more likely to need hospitalization, and you're more likely to deprive uh, otherwise sick people of hospital resources, and you are exceedingly likely to cause this uh, pandemic and all of the controls and uh, negative influences of the pandemic to be prolonged because of your stupidity. But nonetheless, it must be there somewhere in the Christian New Testament or the Christian have become exceedingly conspiratorial. And if you believe that the Christian New Testament was inspired by God, why not believe that uh, the vaccine is some kind of a government tracking mechanism, or that they're out yeah. to do you in? But that's that's the case. That is the uh, the new mantra. Is if you don't want to get a COVID vaccine so that you can go back to work and do the right thing to protect uh, uh, yourself and your family, you just claim. Religious discrimination. Identify yourself as a nincompoop. Speaking of nincompoops, in fact, that's a way too kind a term. I hmm. uh, should have reported this two weeks ago. You know, we know that 400,000 Irish were children were abused by the um, Roman Catholic Church. Right? Yes. and And yet the church remains popular in Ireland. Doesn't say much for the Irish. I guess way too many Genesis. Well, now the French have finished their review of the Roman Catholic Church. And clergy, priests, since 1950 have abused over 200,000 children. What a hellish organization. Not no, If the Roman Catholic Church, since 1950 in France, had its clerics abused 20 children, that would be horrific, inexcusable. If it was 200 children, you'd be screaming for their obliteration. If it was 2,000 children, you'd say, this organization has absolutely no right to exist because it preys on on people's vulnerability with these sexual perverts claiming to represent God and threatening people with their eternal damnation if they don't comply with their perverted notions. If there were 2,000. 20,000 would be beyond the pay. 20,000, and I were in charge of that government I would shut down the Roman Catholic Church and say, you're out of here. We're not only confiscating all of your resources, all of your buildings, and we're giving all of this money to your victims, and you will never have access to any French child again. I would do everything I could to discredit the organization. That's a 20000 The investigation has found... 216,000 children and that the Roman Catholic Church after they were abused showed cruel indifference this is the most counterproductive institution in the history of humankind if you want to know the institution that has done the most harm to the most people It is the Roman Catholic Church, which is the wellspring from which Christianity was derived. And there is no institution that has done more harm to God's people, Jews, than the Roman Catholic Church. I read an article, it's a little different story here, but... uh, I've never been a Roosevelt fan. I thought that Roosevelt sold out to uh, to Stalin and left the world worse than we found it uh, after uh, Hitler by uh, um, enabling Stalin and the communists to control Eastern uh, Europe, where they were actually worse than uh, Hitler, and how uh, um, FDR uh, delayed uh, for years. Uh, trying to make a difference to free Jews from those concentration camps by uh, camping out in, uh, in England and then uh, sending Americans into the teeth of the Nazi guns as opposed to immediately uh, entering through Greece, where the Nazi defenses were minimal, where the people were far more uh, committed to uh, supporting the overthrow of the Nazis and where uh, we could have driven a wedge between uh, Germany and its uh, oil supply as well as a wedge between Germany and the Soviets. But no, we uh, we didn't do it that way. And, and for that reason, I have been a, uh, a huge uh, critic of FDR. I'm also a critic of FDR for the way that he handled the, uh, uh, the Japanese. When the Japanese uh, bombed Pearl Harbor, which uh, FDR all but invited, uh, the answer was straightforward and simple which is that the Russians were at that point in time being pummeled by the Germans. And the Russians needed our food and they needed our weapons. and All you had to do is to say, we will give you what you're requesting in terms of your ability to feed your people and to uh, support the German attack. But what we want in return is Vladivostok. You withdraw, you allow our bombers to land in Vladivostok. We can fly them from uh, uh, Seattle to uh, Anchorage, from Anchorage to Vladivostok, and from Vladivostok, they could do a round-trip uh, uh, bombing uh, replete with uh, fighter escorts to bomb mm-hmm. Japan. And there was no reason to sacrifice 400,000 Americans in pursuit of uh, vengeance for Pearl Harbor. And so I've never been a fan. Well, this story was just amazing. Um, documents are just now being released from uh, FDR's uh, archives that showed that uh, he wrote a letter to Adolf Hitler. And it begins uh, um, by uh, speaking to the Fuhrer as, as if the Fuhrer was this dignified individual. And FDR is making a special request of dear Fuhrer, Adolf Hitler, wanting him to grant an audience to two individuals from Standard Oil, the very company that uh, helped Hitler uh, gasify coal, which is what led to the invasion of Poland and the creation of the concentration camps, because that's where the coal mines were, and America wanted, uh, not uh, FDR evidently wanted, Germany to have the capability of gasifying their coal, and the Standard Oil held the patents for that process. And so he wrote the Führer and said, uh, yeah, it's really important, personally important that uh, you grant these uh, individuals an audience and uh, seek to work with them. Pretty disgusting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. the world is uh, not as we, uh, we think it. To be patriotic is uh, simply uh, to be naive. An idiot. You have to be an idiot. Yeah. yeah, you really do. You have to be patriotic. You have to be unaware. Now, you know, somebody might say, well, you're gonna being hypocritical. You just said America has the uh, greater access, upward mobility of, of any nation uh, on earth. Well, that's really not saying it's true. It's just not saying much because uh, you know, prior to the last 200 years, virtually every nation, if not every nation, had a caste system. And that caste system you know, began with the lowest level of slaves and then a sl- higher level of slaves. And, and then uh, a people with no rights, which were uh, farmers and merchants and going up the level that, that only the royalty had any rights. Uh, and so the treatment of people... In human history, is a bomb. The story of civilization is the story of brutality. As uh, so there never has been any upward mobility uh, until, really, the uh, the finally in Europe and the United States, uh, uh, nations began to break down the barriers between religion and government, uh, and those that. It struck kind of a balance. There, uh, there was some upward mobility. The United States was a balance. The communist countries, there was no balance, and you had a, a new dictatorial regime that, that uh, treated everyone as if they had no rights. Uh, <clears throat> but the United States is the best example of upward mobility in the history of humankind. While that's true, um, the United States has done some disgusting things. Around the world, including fighting wars every four years since the uh, since the first colonists uh, showed here, and being uh, uh, the ultimate hypocrites, of uh, being the ultimate emergence of death. Mm-hmm. We left off last week um, by uh, reading of poor Steve, you know, trying to get these programs on uh, YouTube, and of course the thought place on uh, on YouTube. Uh, don't fact check anything. They just don't like certain things said. And in today's world, truth is uh, is not an alibi. For thus says Yahweh: Dote shall never be cut off, cease to exist or fail. He is the individual who will inhabit the most honorable seat of the house of Israel. 3317 year ago. So how is it possible that uh, the most important individual is a Jesus, if the most honorable seat belongs to dough? To Doe. How is it that the passover lamb suddenly came back to life and was resurrected from the dead if its dough is the one who will never be cut off cease to exist or fail? Oh, I know. I, I know the answer. The answer is, every time Yahweh mentions Doe, he had a senior minute, uh, a moment and really meaning to say a Jesus. Do you believe that your God is an income poop? Your God is an income poop, as is the one who
2: no, no see, this, 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 All these prophecies came before he had a son, so he didn't know what his son's name was going to be, so Doe was just kind of a placeholder.
1: Okay. So who was, that? who was Adam if Adam wasn't a son? Yeah. Uh, sorry, but okay. And uh, anyway, from Yahweh's perspective, Dode is simply the best of the best. He uh, was not only the uh, uh, God's son, uh, but Dode is the ideal antidote for Christianity, even an antidote for Judaism. We all know that he was not the best behaved individual who ever lived. He was certainly the brightest, the most articulate, one of the most poor observant, but those things didn't make him perfect, at least by today's standards. And so when we find Yahweh saying he will never be cut off, he will never cease to exist, he will never fail, and he is the most honorable individual ever in Israel. then we know that God's criterion is quite different than ours, and we know that, that Paul was absolutely wrong when he promoted the notion that... Uh, if you violate one of the Torah's edicts you violate all the Torah uh, is not capable of saving it only is capable of condemning well that would make God a liar wouldn't it not that Mm -hmm. Paul cared because Paul didn't much like God we can confidently conclude that the promises Yahweh made to God were not given to another because they are being fulfilled upon Yahweh's return. This day is the day that God is returning to earth. It is though, not Jesus Christ, who is being proclaimed as eternal, and who will return to sit on the throne, besides father. Further, the seat of honor is in Israel, not in Rome. This is not the chair of St. Peter. No mention of Gentiles here, no mention of Christians, no mention of Christ or a church. They're over four. And that's for a good reason. The reason is they are not part of Yahweh's plan. And they're not included among his people. It was not long ago that we learned, and we will continue to hear, that God is going to annihilate all Gentile institutions, as well as those institutions that have been influenced by the Gentiles, which would include the Herodate, the ultra-Orthodox, the Orthodox and Reformed Jews. Well, this is... Came to confirm when we dove back into Yerma. It is so intriguing that, particularly with God's next statement, it's a crushing blow to the aspirations and the claims of Rabbinic Judaism. Now, long ago, power-hungry men pushed the thresholds of free will. They said because God is an advocate of free will to the point. Of, uh, of democracy if you know. which they by the way never believed in because to be a, uh, a rabbi uh, or to be a chief priest was to impose your will on others but nonetheless they said okay God's in favor of free will therefore if there are ten rabbis and one God and the ten rabbis want one thing they can outvote Hashem even if the matter is prescribed in the Torah So they conjured up some replacement theology of their own. These self-serving and egotistical clerics claimed that all of the instructions, the rights, the privileges, the benefits, the promises afforded to the lowly, except one, and their uh, exclusive role as priests on behalf of God and his people, now belong to them. Without any of the restrictions or the requirements, Now, what is the one thing that uh, they didn't um, claim uh, that was prescribed to the Loewy? The Loewy could not be compensated. They could not own the land. The Abbas said, you know, I'm going to put you in a position where you're essentially the mediators between me and the people. You are going to officiate at the life and death events of the Moen Mikrik. You're going to help the people not only understand what they represent, but capitalize upon them. That is your role. That role is so important that I don't want you claiming uh, control over the people and pleasing them. You know, to say, eh, if you don't belong to my club, I'm going to see to it that God, you know, burned your bridges. And so God said, no, no, no. <clears throat> if you're going to be born into this role— you don't get any money for it. No money. Of course, rabbis by, I don't know, it's like 10 to 1, are the highest paid clerics in the world. They, they have found a way to scam the people out of, of, uh, of all manner of, uh, of things. And so that's the one part of the lowe that they were not willing to accept, but they'll accept everything else. So after their vote, the lowe Levitical priesthood was discredited and their connection to the Torah was severed, such as the rabbis could exalt themselves at the people's expense. Now, for those who love the uh, uh, Nine Candle Menorah and think that Hanukkah is a um, religious holiday, but yeah, that it is uh, something that is meaningful to God, I got news for you. Hanukkah commemorates a uh, an internal uh, fight amongst two groups of Jews. It wasn't to fight an external enemy. It was between two groups of Jews. One group of uh, of Jews was uh, quite um, kind of overly taken by the Greeks. They loved the Greek language, the Greek influence, the uh, Greek artistry, all of that sort of thing, and the other was, uh, well, now we're going to hold to our traditions. It was one side that said that, uh, that power should be afforded to the best and the brightest uh, on behalf of the people, kind of like communism, you know, that, that uh, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be the to cleric or to the king. It should be to the best and the brightest on behalf of the people. We will represent them. Oh, that was the uh, the other side. and so the, the result of the Maccabean revolt was that the priesthood and the low-y, um claims to the priesthood were overthrown in favor of what would become rabbis. They weren't rabbis at the time, but they were religious individuals who thought that uh, they had uh, a better right to control people than did uh, God's plan. And that's how this all began and it continued to grow through Judaism. So as we have noted, to the detriment of Christians, and this time to discredit religious Jews, Yahweh means what he says. Just as the Torah is being eternally integrated into the lives of those who will live forever as part of the covenant family. Just as Toad will always lead sheep, the Loi will return. And they're going to once again do as Yahweh intended for our benefit, which means that the rabbis will be no more. The integration of Yahweh's Torah into the lives of Yisrael and Yehuda, upon the restoration of the covenant has invalidated the claims the rabbis have made on behalf of their talmud. And now with the return of the loey, rabbis have no authorization. the a really, really bad day for Judaism. Mm-hmm. And also the loey. Those who attend to and join together commonly called Levites, who were assigned to be priests which we have to be careful on that term because when you read priests today you think of of Roman Catholic priests and these are religious Mm -hmm. uh, uh, molesting little children Uh, that was not what Yahweh meant by Cohen they there was no religious religiosity to the title at all. Uh, they were um, ministers in the sense of, uh, of helpers uh, whose job it was to inform um, the Israelites so that they would be in a better position to act upon, engage in, and capitalize upon the Moed Mekre, and therefore be uh, integrated into the covenant. They, they were, in fact, facilitators and teachers. And also the Loe, and you were born into them, which was 13th tribe, if you will, and the Loe uh, priests, they were descendants of, uh, of Moshe um, and Aaron, shall not be diminished or eliminated and never be without an individual to approach my presence by offering that which uplifts, transforming a physical entity into life as a present bestowed and offered without compensation while also engaging and acting upon the sacrificial offerings all days and thus continually. This is Yermiah 3318. This is the prelude to Yahweh's affirmation of the covenant. So I know, Kirk, you've done some, uh, some analysis of the, the Loi and of the, the Cohen priest, and then how that uh, migrated into the Shabbat judges. But before we get there, let's just analyze this particular statement.
0: Okay.
1: Okay, so it begins. And, uh, this is the transition out of what? Yahweh telling us, Dode is my guy. Dode is eternal. Yeah. Dode is the person who, who has uh, earned the highest status in Israel. He gets the throne the seat of honor. The next line is the lowee. Now, Dode is not a lowee. He's a yaud right?
0: That's right. Right.
1: Yeah, but guess what? On Yom Kippur, somebody needs to sprinkle the uh, the blood of the uh, of the scapegoat on the mercy seat on the Kippurah. Gotcha. That's Yahweh's prescription for the healing reconciliation of Yom Kippur. And you know who's going to do that? Dode. Dode. So when it says that the Lowy will never be without an individual to do what needs to be done, Dode is going to be dressed up like a Lowy priest, and he is going to be the one person who can perform the role that Aaron was asked to do. So the whole story about what takes place on this day and why it occurs and the whole explanation is told in great detail in, uh, through the prophet Zechariah, yeah? but here it's being reinforced in Yermaya. yah the guy. He's going to step in and be dressed up as a low priest and going to perform the role of the high priest to facilitate Yahweh's reconciliation with his people on Kippuram in year 6000. Yeah? And so the lowly. Uh, shall not be diminished or eliminated and never be without an individual to approach my presence. It's Dode that's going to reestablish the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, a good king, a good leader, does not work alone. They work through people. Mm -hmm. All good leaders work with and through people. Dode is going to accomplish what Yahweh once done in part through the loi not exclusively through the loi but in part through the loi they're going to be reestablished now this is what's really interesting they say they're going to approach my presence by the ala ola ala ola now you'd be told that this is the uh, a sacrificial offering and a burnt offering but there is no burning associated with Allah. And Ola is written exactly like Allah in the text. And it means to rise, to uplift. Mm-hmm. Nothing burning here. The Allah Ola is an offering which uplifts. It means to go up. And how are we going to go up? By transforming a physical entity into light. It's Yes. morphing matter into energy through combustion to join together and enclose. thereby engaging in an offering to approach, converting and adapting by burning something savory. And it was just in the last month or so, and I've been doing this now for 20 years, so it tells you I'm pretty slow. It was just in the last month or so, when I was trying to figure out why is Yahweh asking us repeatedly, doing the Moed Mikre to draw near and to come into the presence of the uh, Isha, the feminine manifestation of his fiery light? I, like and, you know, I always assumed that what he was doing, and I think I'm correct, is asking us to come into the presence of the Set-apart Spirit, our spiritual mother, <coughs> because she represents light and our enlightenment she helps to purify us uh she uh, uh, nurtures us which fire can uh, do uh and through her we rise up to yeah well and so it it seemed to be that this was god's metaphor that he used Ish, which is the masculine word for light to represent his presence before moshe and the children of israel uh with with fire conveying in the ancient world light and warmth and radiant energy and power and all of these wonderful things and it was used as the heart of the home it illuminates and therefore enlightens us uh is the only thing that would help us uh prepare food so that it becomes the safe to eat uh it keeps wild animals at bay it is you know it is the best thing that ever happened to man In the ancient world. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until about a month or so ago that I said, oh, I get it. We are physical, organic beings. Matter. Matter. Mm -hmm. And as physical, organic beings, we are decaying. But there's one thing that can transform us into something that is vastly more energetic Vastly more powerful, vastly more capable than being a decaying organic being. Fire. Fire is what transforms organic material, physical organic material into energy, into light. And that is exactly what Yahweh is offering, is to take us from a decaying organic mortal being into an energy base being akin to light. Because when we are light, we are eternal. When we are light, we are empowered. When we are light, we can explore the universe. When we are light, we are more like God. And so that is what's being conveyed here by Qatar. Transforming physical entities into light. As a present that is bestowed and offered without compensation. Particularly with the lowly involved, we're not paying them a dime. God's not even allowing them to be compensated uh, monetarily. No inheritance, no enrichment. The antithesis of the money-grubbing rabbis. While also encouraging, oh, should be also engaging and acting upon the sacrificial offerings. It is Pesach and Matzah and Bokotam and Chapua that collectively facilitate this transformation, this empowerment, this enrichment, this enlightenment, and that these things endure continually throughout time. That's a pretty powerful insight in the preamble yeah. to, uh, to God's statement. Actually, this is not the preamble. That Jeremiah thirty-one is where the, and this is Jeremiah thirty-three. This is a yeah, postscript 18, to yeah. it. Yeah, postscript. Postscript to it. All right, so Kirk, you sent me a little uh, uh, analysis here of, of the big three. The uh, what is a Loe, What is a Cohen? And what is a Shabbat? Um loe those who unite. Levi. Uh, Cohen. Um, Typically rendered priest—that's not a very good word—but we don't have uh, a really good one for it, because priest is so contaminated by religious thought. And uh, the judges, who aren't judges in the sense of uh, of of, uh, U.S. Jewish uh, Jewish, uh, jurisprudence, where they're the guys in the black coats, yeah, "Yeah," where you have to, you know, say "Your Honor" and and all of this sort of thing and kowtow to them. Uh, Shafat simply means to judge, to decide. You know, to mm-hmm. to be able to hear uh, uh, information and make a prudent decision uh, based upon exercising good judgment. That's what should happen. So, mm-hmm. what did you find?
0: Well, I, I didn't find anything that will shake up anything that you've written. Uh, I saw the the lawyer, the uh, hey, I'm, I'm so glad they, because uh,
1: rewriting this for a ninth time would be. I uh, no, a,
0: no, a, no. a year
1: and a, half, I'm a year and a half into this rewrite.
0: It just bothered me, you know, you you
1: see Loe, you see kohen and
0: and uh, it'd be the priesthood and you're trying to figure out well what's the what is what is the distinguishing part? And of course you started with Yahweh starts with the uh uh the Loe, which comes from the line of Yaakov and Leah and uh, it's a uh, family that's set apart for the service of, uh, and then there was the tenth of the witness. They would take care of that, in which uh, they would carry that around. They're part of Aaron's family later after the uh, after the um, uh, Exodus from Egypt. Um, there's an interesting um, note too of what it means about a wreath, and I was trying to figure out about the wreath, but the concept of joining and bending things together, like twine, is when you connect enough pieces of rope. Together you make it much stronger. So it all goes back to being what you originally would say about uh, the Loi e there, the joiners, uh, like a husband and a wife, uh, something that's to attach to. There's a verb that means to be joined. Uh, and then I looked at the letters once again, and the letters are to uh, with the um, the lamb and the um, wa is to join into attachment of objects or people together, binding them together. That's not in a bad way. That's in a connection like family. Their mm-hmm. job was to lead and increase pictorially. That is the root word uh, for that is the um, lamb and the and the wa uh, to lead and to increase pictographically. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the lamb, of course, lead, direct, protect, instruct, shepherd. Uh, all of those things are in their... Uh, Bailiwig of what they should be doing. And uh, with the wad, that's to secure the family home, the tent peg, and uh, for enlarging the family. So um, that covers what their primary job was to do. Obviously, it's not the way we think of priest and mm, certainly correctly. the way we think of a rabbi. And then you run across the word uh, coin. And I had a little bit of a problem there because I was going from Jensenius to the Theological Workbook to just about everything else and some ancient stuff. And it still came up to, um, there's a little bit of debate whether they can be uh, um, necessarily loy or not family. But even regardless of that, it's still, they are not uh, the main uh, um, servants in the deal but they are teachers and directors of Yahweh. They are administrative duties regarding as the family grew. Uh, someone has to conduct the Shabbat, so the more like mikros and perhaps the Mo- Mo- Yobel years. Mm-hmm. And the root, the root of the Kohen is the Kaf and the um, Nun. The root there opens, I mean, the, the oldest definition I can find is it opens a seed and it's a base for the seed to grow in the soil straight and tall, which is a metaphor, of course, to form a strong family base. So their job is to do all that other work, which is a lot to do, especially as the families grew and there was the temple that was built later uh, post-Dode. Mm-hmm. Then I got thinking about that, and there's um, there's another leader when there was no king, uh, and there's the uh, and of course we're focusing more on um, Samuel, and Samuel of course was a shifah. And yes, you can say as a judge in our in the English versions to set up to erect or to do justice and quality judge or even an umpire if you like. Some of their jobs were uh, would be classified the ones in the various lexicons that so to condemn or to punish the guilty, uh, to defend the poor oppressed or anyone's cause. Uh, defer the cause of to defend rather the cause of orphans to deliver from power of his enemies which may be something within the family uh, as well as some of uh, to rule or to govern in the sense of helping us to get where we want to go in essence it is to deliver the people from oppression and neighboring nations but also to keep us on track so i looked at that a little further of shafat and i found two words that mean um, to judge, and of course the shafat. If you look at the letters, uh, when we have a uh, uh, to make a determination in the dispute of wrongdoing, like a magistrate to engage in determining outcome, decision makers uh, they decide cases. And of course, we know that shafat comes from mishpat, uh, mishpat, or mishpat rather. No,
1: no, no. Mishpat is mishpat is derived from shafat. Mishpat is a compound of shafat and yes, uh and me uh, yes my which yeah to to ponder the implications of Shafat deciding of exercising good judgment that, but that's an interesting uh correlation because uh the thing that is touted most in rabbinic Judaism is that's a misfat. and you know you you've got to do that because that's a misfat. and they will uh, present this as like it's a commandment or it's a an edict or a judgment that, you know, you have no choice but to, uh, to follow. And uh-huh. that's not the meaning of the word at all. And it's just so incredibly simple to analyze a word like this. There, there are hundreds upon hundreds of Hebrew words that are a compound of one of the interrogatories. Uh, me or ma are the most common. And then a word like Shafat after it, or, uh, Uh, Mitzwa is another where it's a compound of of MY, the interrogatory that encourages you to contemplate the implications of and uh, Chawa which is uh, to to instruct or to direct particularly regarding terms and conditions of a relationship agreement and uh, mispat is a combination of, of to ponder and consider the implications of Making good decisions, shafat, deciding, thinking uh, rationally, exercising good judgment—that's um, what the word means, and it's—it's it's so simple that that's what the word means. You wonder why it is that that the religious are so confused all by around. these terms. Yeah, I don't. And then they'll the they try to it's render it to as some kind of a here. law, yeah. right? And then they—if they, you have a law, then you have to have a word for obey. But they
0: don't have a word for obey; they just make it up. I know. I, oh, let me let me pause for one second on that. Yeah. There's there's um, there was three. I did I did the same thing as we was doing this, and and I looked up all the words for obey, and of course we know there's no word uh, in Hebrew for obey. You can't have free will uh, with that context, but you have. They always translate shama, which means to hear. Shamar, mm-hmm. which means to watch over, to observe, to carefully mm-hmm. consider, closely examine. And then they use Miswah, which are directional, is, which means directional. Look up 6680. It, it's uh, That's the strong number. It says directions. To point out the right directions to go is a set of instructions given to someone to uh, on a moral or physical path. He's pointing to the moed mikros.
1: Mm-hmm. How right.
0: that becomes obeyed when you have so many times when Yahweh says, of your own free will consider doing this for me or whatever it's just you cannot have and he doesn't have a lord Look in Justinius, uh uh, which i did this takes me in a whole bunch of different directions but you look up lord and my gosh is bail 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 uh i start on and on and on pages and pages uh you cannot have a lord he doesn't call himself a lord he's called himself father he hates the word lord Um, and you cannot have, if you don't, if you have a Lord, you got to have obey. And so you have to twist all these words. So if nothing else, this little uh, work, mini little workshop I did for the last couple of days is to Mm -hmm. prove beyond a shadow of doubt that these guys are horrible. They mislead everyone because they want to obey. And that's the whole thing about the rabbis. Mm-hmm. But I would say one other thing on Shafat. When you look up Shafat, you'll find there's another word, which I hadn't really considered until this uh, today, actually, and it's den. And I hadn't looked at that. It's 1777, if anyone wants to look it up, uh, as uh, J.B. always advises you to do. And I, I, I take that advice. It means to execute as a uh, delayed, uh, a yod, and a nun. His judgment and vindication is help. The oldest meanings I can find is to help someone to sell straight. It's a direction, direct ones in his course. Authority to rule over quarrels from, uh, from the root word, the, uh, the late and the nun is um, the one who restores life. I love this. His, his judging, giving advice to us because he wants to restore our life. And I like that because it starts with the delete, which always makes me think of the the doorway to life and the beginning of life is the nun. So you have the doorway mm-hmm. in the in the pictographs, the the nun, the beginning of life. Uh I look at the every time I look at the delete I also think of doge. Uh, and it's just um I don't you can't yeah. find rabbi, you can't find Lord, you can't find obey. you can't oh, you find Baptist. No no, you can
1: find Rabbi. It's uh, one of the most oh, common I Hebrew I you words. Can't find it right yeah, it's, it's Rob, right means, to be yeah, Rob it means to be exalted. Yeah, yeah, exalted. It, it, yeah. yeah uh, they both. yeah, they in, in their competition with God they yeah. chose to, to exalt themselves. it's, it's yeah. the and the, the deep height deep. of arrogance is these Nikomuts constantly brag that they are Torah observant. And they, what they're doing is they're actually calling their Babylonian Talmud Torah. And I know. It's, it's just repulsive. And then the one name they will never mention, they'll mention every rabbi of any ilk, and they'll cite their rabbis as, oh, this was rabbi so-and-so, as if that person as if he, oh, yeah, had all the authority and was uh, divine. But they'll never mention Yahweh's name. Ever. Ever. yeah, It's, yeah, well, it's utterly and like, completely like despicable.
0: It's like fear of the Lord. They've changed that where it should be awe and revere. Uh,
1: right. How do you
0: get fear? How can you fear uh,
1: your father and love yeah, him at the yeah, same time? That, well, they don't refer to God as their father. I know. Okay. They, In fact, even the covenant, which is a family, and they know it's based upon FAS family and home, they called the mm-hmm. uh, the covenant a covenant with Judaism. They really screwed up. Take,
0: it's okay when y'all take them away. I'm not going to cry.
1: Oh no! In <laughs> fact, I may they, hear very loudly.
0: Hear me in the no, background going, "I'm damn. sorry."
1: Re- religious Jew, God despises uh, religious. I know he has Jews. to. He, he, he despises he to, uh, country- be all, be country- everyone who is religious, but religious Jews are his least favorite. Because they were in a position to do the most and have uh, done the most harm to their fellow uh, uh, Jews. And God cares about his people. They are his people. And those who harm his people are his enemies. And no one has harmed Jews more than the rabbis. So the low eight were prescribed uh, the responsibility of assuring that each step along the way to approach God was accomplished and understood within the context of the Torah. As a result, when presented and observed correctly, the beneficiaries of the Mikre were transformed and liberated from material beings in three dimensions to seven-dimensional energy-based individuals akin to light. This empowers us so that we can appear before and relate to God. God is so much bigger than we are, more powerful than we are energetic than we are capable than we are, that he has to transform us for us to be comfortable around him. It is the whole concept of E equals MC squared. Um, uh, until we are transformed from matter into energy at the multiple of the square of the speed of light, we would just feel terribly uncomfortable before the mightiness that is the almighty. Now, admittedly, you will not find Qatar uh, rendered as transforming a physical entity into light or morphing matter into energy through combustion in any lexicon. Even though every definition includes burning where wood is converted into radiant energy. Everyone, but they can't make the next step. They acknowledge combustion uh, and the aroma of smoke that results from it, as well as the words, the words association with achieving a favorable result, which several lexicons define as approaching and engaging by joining together. Now, I simply extrapolated from these connotations based upon what we have learned. Seemed reasonable to do so in recognition that this is about entering Yahweh's presence through Allah and Olah being raised and lifted up and the Yahweh's preference for the metaphor of fire. And that's why God gave us a Nisama conscience, so that we could think our way through these things and come to to understand them. And this is a profound insight that has been there for us to grasp hold of for a very long time, and it is in this manner that we come to know what Yah was offering and what He expects in return. Now, Hebrew as a language uh, dates back at least six thousand years, and six thousand years ago, man did not have a word for uh, uh, this concept of transformation of organic material through combustion into energy and therefore light. We had no concept of of Einstein's uh, formula of energy equals mc squared, energy equals the uh, mass times the square of the speed of light. Similarly, I was uh, talking uh, to Leah, my wife, uh, the other day, and she was, talking about how she was so um, uh, pleased that science has finally acknowledged uh, that the fourth state of, uh, of energy slash matter uh, exists as plasma and how plasma played such a tremendous role in the creator, creation of the universe and that it was this plasma energy that uh, uh, existed initially and i've talked about this at at length about how uh, when science tells us that the universe was created the 13.8 billion years ago all Mm -hmm. that they can tell us is when quarks were confined when this plasma cooled to the point there was actually something solid, material. Because there is no movement of time, as we know it, without matter. In a totally energy-based environment, time simply exists. And so it does not flow until uh, matter exists. So when Yawa was talking about uh, the existence of the mayhem, which we translate as uh, as waters in the creation account. It dawned on me that that's the only Hebrew word for that's the only Hebrew word for fluid. And plasma is essentially a uh, a fluid. This this transition between energy and matter. It's a uh, it's a, fluid, a superheated fluid, and that that is likely what he meant when he was using "ma'am" because there was no other word for fluid. In the Hebrew language, and yet that is this enormously important concept of creation and of when the universe actually came into existence through the Big Bang. And so what I've always told people is, yeah, so long as we're using the proper conclusion about the temperature at which quarks are confined, and they're no longer in these this plasma state, which there are a number of assumptions and we really don't know the, uh, the temperature, uh, uh, that that is the amount of time from that, that time existed. But there's an undisclosed amount of time prior to that time because this, the, this the, uh, enormous input of energy of light as God describes it, uh, during the Big Bang, that could have occurred billions of years before the the universe cooled sufficiently for quarks to be confined and for time to move. But I do think it that the whole use of mayhem was uh, to describe uh, fluids, just as guitar here is used to describe this transformation of being... No, Material and organic to uh, to an energy based uh, being, and the words have all of that history um, laden in them. Yeah, it's, it's some Part of the language. clues by yeah some of the clues by the way for uh, man is that it's the plural of an interrogatory. The Hebrew word for that we translate water as fluid. It's the plural mm-hmm. of an interrogatory. It means uh, question the questions. <laughs> you better really ponder this. That means there are lots of questions here you ought to be searching for because the, the word really is the plural of to question, to ponder the implications.
0: Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah,
1: so uh, there's just so many uh, uh, fun things. Question to question yeah it's the question the, uh, so the question, you ought to be you ought to be questioning this uh it, it'd be good for you so um progressing through the words we uh the next word we found in that uh, remarkable statement that we just uh, uh read well I guess we read it about uh four hours ago if you're about the time but no, I'm just kidding. uh the <laughs> statement was and also the lowe shall not be uh and also the lowly priest shall not be diminished or uh, eliminated uh, and never be without an individual to approach my presence by offering that which uplifts transforming a physical entity into life morphing matter into energy through combustion as a present bestowed and offered without compensation this is as a gift which is allocated and allotted freely from a root meaning to bestow and portion, while also engaging in and acting upon the sacrificial offerings, zebach, all the days and thus continually throughout time. So as we progress to the next word, it's Uh This is the word that comes up a lot in, um, in uh, rabbinical discussions because Every rabbi wants to postulate what minka means, and he's got his own uh, bit on it. You know, it's, it is the, you know, two rabbis walk into the room, what do they talk about? Well, minka, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it is a bit of an enigma <laughs> since as a noun. Uh, no one, everybody seems to have an opinion of what it means, but no one really uh, knows what it represents. Leaving us to consider its verbal root, which is where I like to go when pondering a word. Uh, which forms a a picture of Yah providing something to his children, which is a present that is bestowed and an offering without compensation. It is a gift which is allocated freely. So, and what are you saying? Yeah, this is it's a, a slap in the face, God, yeah. yeah, of rabbinic Judaism, yeah. because they've yeah, conjured up all manner of absurd ploys to charge exorbitant fees for services they have mandated in their town. Almost everything required to be kosher, the central plank of the religious, is a money-making scheme. I can't help but laugh. I've, I have spent the, uh, the last uh, uh, three or four days translating Dabadim 12. Now, for those that don't know what the body 12 represents, and why would you, I mean, it's, a, it's a throwing out a, a number. The, Bob, the body of 12 is uh, Moshe's uh, you know, uh, giving this uh, speech oh, to the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's saying, now, first and foremost, don't be religious. Don't be stupid. <laughs> don't be religious. God really hates it. When you're religious, and then uh, <laughs> uh, I had paraphrase, but, but that's basically Bless what he yeah. yeah. and, okay. So the heart of rabbinic Judaism is the kosher laws. I mean, you 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 can eat a Twinkie if it's been blessed by fifteen rabbis and eighteen uh, more rabbis have made a nickel on the process of and put their little stamp on it that says it's kosher, so long as it's served in a restaurant that also paid the rabbis to bless their restaurant as uh, kosher, so long as the milk was prayed over by a rabbi who was paid to pray over the milk as the cow was being milked, uh, such as the, <laughs> is the, is the nature of rabbinic uh, Judaism. So... Uh, <laughs> I would like just to share what Yahweh had to uh, to uh, Please do. Uh, say about uh, about food. Um, let me <laughs> just find the one of these. Okay, absolutely. I love this show. Just, <laughs> just absolutely, absolutely, ah, truthfully, and reliably, even immediately. Just as Ha Asher, that which was attractive and desirable, Ha tesi, that which was valuable, including some would say it's a gazelle, but it basically means that which looks good and tastes good. And that which is nourishing and edifying, healthy and robust, was being enthusiastically consumed. A call in the imperfect, energetic nun. So now you can eat the unclean as well as the clean. Together and alike, as if they were one and the same, it can There's be emotions. consistently and enthusiastically eaten. There's only one exception. Be absolutely steadfast and certain with a hard and fast rule that you never consume the blood. Yeah, fair enough. It's many bad yeah. yeah. things in the blood. That is correct. Uh, and and that was uh, the second time Yahweh said it in this uh, Moshe is communicating. To it. The first time is nevertheless he says, "Rock, however, <laughs> with anything that your soul may desire, you can butcher and prepare the flesh and then eat it of every living creature." in harmony with the blessings and pronouncements of Yahweh, your God, which is a result of the relationship he has provided, offering them to you within any of your locations or communities. The unclean as well as the clean.
2: It may be eaten. anything
1: that is attractive and desirable, edible, and edifying. How do you get kosher rules there? God just says anything and everything you you can what that means when God then goes into the 14th chapter of the body through Moshe and says you know these things are good for you, these things are not good he's giving you dietary advice he's not setting a bunch of kosher laws, I mean there is a reason that the Talmud exists because there are no kosher laws and therefore no way to extrapolate money from the people and the Torah he's just saying you know pig, bad stuff man they eat they eat trash garbage in garbage out that thing will make you really sick you know a catfish is a bottom sucker bottom feeder yeah yeah, don't 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 eat the catfish Uh, the uh, the uh, uh, mussels and the shrimp shrimp all uh, that stuff they, they are garbage collectors that is what they eat they eat the dying and the the trash. And, and I'm here to tell you, they'll make you really sick. So don't don't eat that stuff. But he's not saying don't eat it because you're going to piss me off. He doesn't say don't eat it because I want to establish a rule. He just says it's not healthy. Now, he's not saying it's, it isn't going to be healthy for all time. We have figured out a way to actually supervise and butcher and transport and pay and and trans uh, and uh, uh, refrigerate um, mm-hmm. uh, pork, like pork and uh, yeah. and shrimp lobster and lobster. Mm-hmm. such it's you know God God wasn't talking at the time that Federal Ex- Express existed. But now you can harvest lobster in Maine and have it in Santa Barbara the next day. Yeah, you know, we now have ships that when they they uh, capture the crab, they put them in these freshwater tanks—I don't know, freshwater—but chilled water tanks—and then they go to a processing plant where they're immediately uh, fresh, uh, flash frozen, and brought to you in a very healthy way. So, God said, "Eat whatever you want to eat if it looks good to you; it is good." That, and that has been my diet for a long time. It's called the seafood diet. If you see it, you can eat it. Uh, it's one of the reasons that. I need to exercise to keep the the weight off. Well, you're
0: building a gym, right?
1: (laughs) So, so, yeah, that's why I'm building the gym. So, uh, God's really clear about... I'm not establishing a bunch of damn rules that you need to obey. I'm going to offer you some dietary advice because I'm offering you a lot of advice. I created these animals to be nourishing, and I created you. I've got a pretty good idea how this all works. don't eat the damn vulture. What do uh, vultures eat? Dead animals. Dead animals. Yeah, yeah don't do field. that. That's that's your roadkill. Don't eat roadkill. Don't drink the blood for crying out loud, which makes Catholics look pretty foolish, not that they need any help <laughs> looking foolish with their
0: Five transmutation day, okay.
1: of, uh, of ordinary uh, grape juice, which they claim becomes the blood of a Jesus, which you're then supposed Jesus. to... Uh, drink for a th- remission of sin when in fact it is a sin <laughs> should they be right of course they're lying which I don't I guess do wrong things are right in, uh, well religious right anyway yeah. so God's really clear on this don't be religious which means don't follow the kosher uh, laws you can eat whatever you want to eat so well, uh, the meaning of zabak is undisputed. It means to prepare an animal for consumption. As a matter of fact, in, uh, in one of those two statements I just read to you, zabak is there. It says, you can prepare any animal you want for consumption. Uh, when we Zabach, we are not, however, preparing something for Yahweh to eat. Yahweh does not need to eat. Now, I do think that Yahweh is capable, in fact, I know for certain that he's capable, of manifesting an aspect of his nature in a material way so that he can eat. It did it with Abraham. We're going to be, yeah, we're going to be able to do the same thing. Yeah, he ate with Abraham. So, uh, what it, it means, we're going to prepare something to cook it. The purpose is often misappropriated that participants are not offering God anything, but instead are being nourished by the result. Said another way, every day, Will be a feast. Now, I've shared this also. We mentioned even on tonight's program that that uh, through Albert Einstein's formula, E equals M C squared, we come to understand the benefits of the McBride, Um That we will be able to camp out with our heavenly Father in the seventh dimension as our matter, material beings, or our uh, uh, magnified by uh, the speed of light times the speed of light into energy. Now, the reason that Kol La Yomem, which was at the end of that statement, uh, may have been used instead of the more common La Olam forever, is that time is actually a function of matter because it only flows in a material realm. Until energy is converted into matter, time exists but does not move. Therefore, the Zabak could be limited to the years between 6,000 and 7,000 ya, which are celebrated in the Eretz material realm. Or they are addressing the days we choose to manifest physical features and enjoy the opportunities they alone provide. And they, they provide benefits. Uh, you know, my wife loves to cook and she's really really good at it uh, but uh, she says you know maybe I need a wife that can uh, cook for uh, for me and yeah. so she was reading the door to say what is, what's it with Yawa's plan on all of this <laughs> guess who the chef is going to be in eternity Yahweh. Yahweh says I, I'm going to be be preparing Yawa, the meals for you in the wine wow. round. Right? I got this under wow. control. I, I'm going to be the one that is preparing the meal. She says, she says, okay, that works for me. I'm not too far away from that time. I'm, I'm, I'm I, can wait. Wait. I can wait. I can wait. I can, I'll go back to the kitchen. And,
0: uh, uh, cause I, boy, you're not
1: going you to be able to do this much longer. You guys
0: put it there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah.
1: So the uh, prophet uh, Yirma is describing the transformation from being trapped in the material realm to being liberated spiritually on Yom Kippuram, using the words that were available to him. And I think he's doing a yeoman's job, which is a modicum of etymological investigation. We're finding really what is a treasure trove of, uh, of mind-expanding revelations. This is the fun of Shamar Torah. And among them, uh, this next statement, I think, shines brightly. If you are a Talmud-toting Jew or a Christian of any elk, be prepared to swallow your tongue and eat your words. Well, I guess you can eat anything, so why not eat your words, too? So so much for the notion of a oral law, or as the Jews say, it's the law of the... Of the uh, the Torah of the mouth, is what they, uh, they call it, yeah. or the Mishnah Torah, the New Testament, based upon a new covenant. As with all myths, they never had any. This is what God says next. Then the word, Wadabar, of Yahweh, was directed to Yerma uh, Yahu. Yahweh lifts me up. Yahweh raises me. Yah teaches me. He guides me. And I respect and revere Yahweh. In order to say, this is what Yahweh declares. Well, that's a pretty good start. You got mm-hmm. three Yahwas, and you know you. At, and in addition to three Yahwehs, you got the word. Yeah. Okay, and you got uh, Ammar to say. Uh, actually, two of those. But goodness gracious, the word of Yahweh was directed to, which is, by the way, El, uh, which is also means God, Yerma Yahu, mm-hmm. Yahweh lifts me up, in order to say, this is what Yahweh says. Yerma Yahu's not speaking for himself. He's speaking no. for Yahweh. He's not speaking for the rabbis. He's speaking for Yahweh. If you can break, revoke, nullify, or split into two parts, if you can violate tort or foil, frustrate the intent of, or in any way disassociate from by creating a second variation of my covenant of this time or my familial relationship agreement during a time of darkness, then a means to approach does not and will not exist based upon what was done when the darkness prevailed in their time. It is apparent when we read the prophets that Israel went from a brief moment under doubt to maybe a you know, a very short period of time, and it wasn't Israel at that point, it was just simply Yahudah under Hezekiah, where there was... A time where uh, a significant number of Yehudim were, were benefited from what Yahweh had to say. Listened to him, observed His Torah, and acted accordingly. But the last time that occurred was about uh, uh, 600 and so BCE, 26, almost 2700 years ago, was the last time. That's a long time. And (laughs) during that time where Jews have created a Jerusalem Talmud, a Babylonian Talmud, a Zohar, a uh, Mishnah Torah, and Jews have created a New Testament. That's during that time because that was during a time where the covenant was broken into two split apart. There was no means to approach God. No way to approach God. So long as a Christian New Testament has any influence in your life, so long as the Babylonian Talmud guides your steps, you are estranged from God. And so a time of enormous darkness prevailed. 2,600 years without a single Jew being part of God's family. Now, that's maybe a little bit of an exaggeration because there were a number of individuals like Malachi and Zachariah, a handful, uh, that uh, would speak on behalf of Yahweh. Uh, in the intermediate time between about uh, 650 BCE and about 450 BCE. So to be more exacting, from 450 BCE um, to around 20 years ago, there was not a single Jew in the world and hadn't been for all of that time that was part of the covenant relationship and therefore united with the armor. I think that the first was um, Dr. Jeff. I think the second was Yoel, my uh, good friend that, that was so mm-hmm. instrumental in getting these books online and was a co-host of this program for years. Oh, yeah. And, uh, um... Well, not terribly long after that, Leah, uh, my uh, my wife, uh, came to uh, to join us, um, and then we have found that so many who listened to the various broadcasts that I had uh, done over the years and began to read the books, uh, started to do the old DNA test, and they found out that they were ethnically Jewish, and so there have been many now. But for a very long time, the very existence of these things like the Talmud and the Christian New Testament that revoked, nullified, and split into parts the covenant, creating a covenant with Judaism, creating a covenant with a Christian church, that this was a time of darkness where no one was saved. Sometimes a single word can speak volumes, such as the case with Parar. It was uh, designed to condemn rabbinical Judaism and Christianity 800 years before these religions existed. During a time of darkness away from the light, the Talmud was invented to replace the Loi Cohen with rabbis. Similarly, a New Testament was cobbled together, predicated upon transferring God's promises from Dode and Yisrael to a Christian church. Both nullified the covenant of this day, creating a second, when there should have remained one. In so doing, they disassociated themselves from Yahweh's one and only covenant, frustrating its intent. In this case, Ferrar was conveyed using the Hipple step. This means that those who would be nullifying Yahweh's covenant by separating it into two parts would be influencing what God had offered at that time and in such a way that they frustrated the intent of the original covenant with those advocating a new covenant suffering the effect of the birth. The imperfect conjugation indicates that there would be ongoing implications of having negated the original covenant. Now, admittedly, this passage is a challenging translation without the introduction of ha-yom and uh, ha la uh, without a preposition. As such, they can be simplistically rendered of the day and of the night. Uh, Specifically, then, translators commonly refer to that, or infer that the Lord had a covenant with the day and a covenant with the night. However, bah with was not written in the text. Therefore, since there is no mention of a covenant with the day or one with the night to which this could be referring, And recognizing that uh, such a concept is ludicrous, the most responsible approach is to acknowledge that Yahweh's covenant of this day and time was nullified by splitting it into two parts during a time of darkness. Earlier in Jeremiah, we read that Yahweh would be reestablishing his covenant with Israel and with Yahudah by placing his Torah guidance within his people. This made the notion of a New Testament predicated on annulling the Torah and replacing an Old Testament with a New Testament predicated on an entirely different Christ teaching versus faith. Absurd to the point of scandalous just as it reputed the authenticity of the Talmud. So both should have been instantly and summarily reviewed. But yes. also, there simply haven't been enough rational and responsible people to point out Judaism's and Christianity's faulty assumptions. That's what's so sad about all of this, is God has made it so obvious that he is an opponent of Judaism, that he is against Christianity, uh, that he despises all religions, and those religions most of all, and it's it's repeated blatantly throughout these texts. I mean, Deuteronomy 12. It just says, "Don't be a fool and be religious." Uh, I I hate every aspect of religion. It's an abomination to me, and when, When you see that I I am eliminating all of the religious influences, and I want you to do the same, I want you to obliterate every religious edifice that you come upon. That don't do what they did that caused me to eliminate them. That would be really stupid. And yet it's all there. It's in the Torah. And what do the numbskulls do?
0: They, embrace. they, they, they go and act religious. Embrace. Yeah, embrace it.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't you think that Yahweh explained why he was getting rid of the religious? And your answer is, well, then I'm going to be religious.
0: Let me share you one quick thing. Okay. I promise mm-hmm. to be brief. But this was yeah, so funny. Okay. uh. Mm-hmm and pictorially, pictorially in Para, you know, you have a pay in and two roches. So going mm-hmm. where ordinary words go, the words lead to multiple and multiple mm-hmm. people trampling it. So but here's the root. It's just a pay and a roche, however it's got two meanings. Tread on, break apart, separate, split, divide into two. Mm-hmm. Second meaning. This is really this is really blew me away. Bull. on mm-hmm. Satan. Yeah, Satan? That's yeah, Haunt. yeah, that's true, yeah, that's true. The assemble yeah. see the golden right. par, my yeah. par
1: par in Hebrew a, is, is bull yeah, yeah. and I, bull that's excrement that's and, as a, uh, yeah. yeah
0: well here, here's what mm-hmm. I wrote I said defined as a large male uncastrated uncircumcised bovine spewing mm-hmm. bovine scatology and so mm-hmm. but he put them yep. both in par par that's, yeah. that's, 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 those are just so much fun to find
1: yeah, it is. Wow. Uh, yeah, so yeah. cutting it into two with the, uh, good, with the second uh, one being bull. Uh-huh. Yeah. Same symbol. for Christianity right. and, and
0: splitting into In the... Bull. Uh, yeah, you got, you got my yeah. covenant
1: and you got bull. Uh, pick yeah. whichever one you want.
0: Yeah.
1: So, uh, pretty amazing, huh? Well, if you advocate yeah, a second bullish newer and thus bull replacement covenant, there is no chance that your soul will survive Yahweh's return. If you remain intent on frustrating the promises God has made to his people, blaming them for your church or your synagogue, you are nearing the termination of your existence. Now, should you be curious, the rabbis claim, with all evidence to the contrary, that their Talmud dates to the time of the Torah. Uh, And why they make this claim when it's so obviously untrue uh, is mind-boggling, but they they all do. In uh, Orthodox mythology, it served as a second Torah, one given verbally to the elders while Moshe was scribing the one Yahweh was providing. Funny thing, though, the first lines of such Talmud, of such oral Torah, did not appear until uh, the Babylonian, the, well, a 1,000 years after the Babylonian captivity in about 500 CE. So I guess there was a 2,000-year delayed reaction.
0: Well, uh, they was slow.
1: Radio silence for 2,000 years. Oh, now we've got it. One of the things you find, like, in Tabarim, in, uh, it constantly says, all right, this is the written scroll of the Torah. I've given you these instructions in writing. I've conveyed them through Moshe on a written scroll. Well, where's the mention of the oral anything?
0: Oral. The, the,
1: there is none. And you know God is real clear, saying you know if if somebody claims to speak for me and they speak on behalf of the name of any other god, like Hashem or the Lord or whatever it is the Jews are fond of using, because certainly hell is not Yahweh. Don't believe them, even if they've done a miraculous work or have this awe-inspiring. Facade around them; they're lying to you. You know, if you've done something that would cause somebody to be impressed and say, "Oh, wow, that was uh, that was uh, that was a real sign there. That was a miracle." Um, mm-hmm. Then you aren't to be believed. You know. There was no point where Yirmiyam provided a sign. There was no point where Yashayah provided a sign. There was no point where Dod provided a sign.
0: Don't look at signs. No.
1: No. What they provided was words. And the words speak for Yahweh. The words were conveyed in Yahweh's name. If you're offering anything more than God's words, you aren't to be believed. Now, there are actually two Talmudic collections, but the older Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, uh, under Rabbi Akiba in the second century, is not very well written. It's, uh, it's incomplete. It's, uh, uh, it is not warmly received by the Talmudic community because it is so incomplete and so poorly written. So, the Talmud that is uh, mislabeled Torah uh, amongst the Herodim, uh is the Babylonian Talmud now, that alone you would think would be set off alarm bells since Yahweh is constantly asking his people to come out of what
0: Babylon of course
1: Babylon So to have a Babylonian Talmud and and it's frightening. Like- and then have the prophets constantly speaking for Yahweh as they come out of Babylon, you'd think you'd be able to put two and two together and figure out, uh, uh, maybe uh, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Or nothing comes good out of Sharia. Or just to realize (laughs) that from a Hebraic point of view, uh, Babylon, which is Babel, uh, means Uh one of two things. The definition of the word is to intermix and commingle to confound and confuse. Yes. So if you're naming your Talmud to intermix and intermingle for the purpose of confounding and confusing, that's probably not a really good time. You may want to go back to the drawing board. And they sold, and they sold it anyway. Yeah. And, that, it anyway. Uh, yes. and then the second is, that uh, uh, Babel is clearly a compound word. It is Ba, which means with, and Bel, which is the Lord. Bel was the name of the Babylonian God, the Lord. And so Mm -hmm. it's with the Lord, and Yahweh says the Lord is safe. So no matter which way you come at it, Babel is a bad term, and then even Jews will say, "You know well we've got the uh, the Hebrew Bible. So, Bible's the name of a pagan sun god. It's out of uh, out of uh, Egypt Babel. I mean, what part of this don't you get? God doesn't have a Bible. He's not trying to confuse anybody. It's not intermixing and commingling things together. He has There's the Torah people. teaching, he has prophets, and he has his uh, ultimate uh, songwriter, and therefore the mismore the lyric, is a song. Well, let's pick it up at this point next week. Uh, JB, I'm sorry we had a okay. static on the line. I would have loved to have uh, heard more uh, from you, but uh, perhaps we'll do it uh, next week. Uh, thank you, uh, Mike, for presenting uh, these uh, definitions. You did a nice job of looking right now at your definition of parar uh, to break, to frustrate, to violate, to make ineffectual. Uh, as, and, of course, that's just one uh, uh, definition of it. That was uh, probably from... Uh, from strong, uh, but there are a, a number of others that uh, also to, Well, here it it uh, down here is too split to break apart. Um, so the word is loaded. It takes us right to what we uh, we shared in the uh, the definition, and we should be able to understand that that the covenant was thwarted by the Talmud. The covenant was thwarted by the Christian New Testament. And these are are dead ends, uh, such that anybody that takes this path is led away from uh, from God. JB, it sounds like you're back on the uh, the line. Did you have anything you wanted to add about Perar uh, or something we may have said here recently?
2: No, I was just going to say goodbye.
1: <laughs> okay, well goodbye, JB. Uh, we hope you have a better line yeah. next time. Best to you and yours, and be back with you this on time the next week. On
2: downside, the country living. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'll <laughs> no, <a> week. <laughs> yeah, we well, you're not too far in the country, not too far outside of uh, Dallas. I, my uh, my read is the whole world seems to be coming to uh, to Texas. The uh, California's biggest three corporations all just recently moved, so you got something going yeah. for yourselves uh, down there. Although uh, I'm, uh, I you know, there's a lot of controversy right now on uh, Texas's new abortion law. Um, yeah. if, I, if I am properly informed, and I, I don't claim to be a student of this, I, I didn't read much on it, but my son mentioned to me the other day that, that uh, you can actually uh, be taken to court and uh, have very severe penalties if a woman were to have an abortion within six weeks of becoming pregnant. Is that correct?
2: it's something like that i haven't looked too deep into it it's not something i've ever really been worried about so i don't follow it a whole lot but yeah
1: no, it's probably one of it's the sickest in the country yeah you know i'm uh, you know my view on uh, abortion is that it's, uh, it's it's never a good idea that that if you're um uh too young or uh, or uh, um not prepared financially because raising children is is difficult uh, emotionally uh, mentally and financially uh, and you're just not prepared to uh, to be a parent uh, adoption is a uh, is a much better option uh, than is uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, abortion uh, but it's pretty hard to to say that uh that something growing even though it's it has the potential to be a uh, a human uh, life uh, that is conceived in a woman's womb before that that fetus is uh is viable uh, that by eliminating it that you are committing a a crime Uh, and yet once that fetus becomes viable and is capable of living outside of its mother's womb which is sometimes in the second trimester, is getting to be earlier and earlier, of course, uh, uh, now, uh, that taking that child's, that unborn child's life that is viable outside of the womb should be considered murder. And that, that it's somewhere in that uh, second trimester that we, we get into uh, a really terrible, terrible situation. Uh, as a society. And in the third trimester, it just flat-out murder. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I get all of that. Uh, um, and, and I think Yawa is enormously pro-choice and is enormously pro-life. But to say that a woman, even from rape or incest, uh, a child... Cannot have an abortion uh, in the first trimester. Wow, that's uh, that will send a lot of people to uh, uh, into harm's way. Abortion
0: places, you
1: know. yeah. That, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. no, again, I'm. There is no uh, statement in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms uh, speaking to abortion. God is clearly pro-life, and He is clearly pro-choice. And so, what we say about abortion uh, is uh, is um, based upon our appreciation for who Yahweh is as the Author of life and one who loves life. Um, you know, the the fact of the matter is that uh, uh, that once a a unborn child is viable, a, what you're doing is wrong uh, if you take the life of that uh, unborn child. And As somewhere it comes to legally yeah.
2: speaking, I take a very pragmatic approach. My view is I want to minimize the amount of abortions. Prohibition yes. taught us, and the war on drugs have taught us that prohibition doesn't stop a single person that wants to get drugs, wants to get alcohol right. from getting it. prohibiting abortion isn't going to stop a single person from getting an abortion. So it may make people feel good to pass the law, but it's not actually doing good.
1: That's correct. And and they they can go to Mexico,
2: they can go to a state over. So it's just a feel good law.
1: Yeah. Back in the day that I was uh, uh, I actually spoke on this. My conclusion was that we ought to do everything in our power to encourage uh, two things. One is more responsible sexuality. Don't have sex until you are are, are capable of dealing with the consequence. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it isn't a just something that's recreational that is the same as uh, going out for a uh, a swim or a jog. It there are there are uh, consequences, and you just you ought to be careful. Not from a being a prude point of view, but there's a responsibility part of this. And yeah. the, the second is that we ought to make, uh, under such circumstances, adoption far easier and far uh, better supported in the More, society. Yeah. So, so that Education the adoptive parents are given all manner of rights and that we do everything we can to help the, uh, the, uh, the parent who is uh, going to give up that child for adoption? Feel good about the choice that they made, and to support the uh, the process, so that there is very little reason to uh, uh, to have abortions at any point, and that uh, the third aspect of, of what I shared is that as we move uh, into uh, the uh, the second half of the second trimester. Um, Boy, you're at that point, you're uh, you're flirting with something that is uh, becomes grotesquely immoral after a while. It's it's not a growth. Well, it's it's no not like I've uh, done
2: it before. That if you were going,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not. You're not removing a hanging at this point. This is this is a uh, a life with a, with uh, its own soul. Now, the 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 last thing I'd like to share on this is that uh, most people um, who do not know well, They are not core observed which means that the likelihood of their child uh, uh, surviving mortality is exceedingly slow. Um, so, their ultimate fate is about the same either way, but uh, still we ought to give them every opportunity to make the right choice. Anyway, but uh, nonetheless, uh, Texas mm-hmm. has taken a, a um, uh, a step which uh, my fear is it's been mandated out of the religious Christian zeal of the state mm-hmm. of Texas, and really oh, not absolutely. out of uh, out of a thoughtful appreciation for what's going on here, or creating something that uh, was helpful. And, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I was also told that uh, that in this particular case, that an abortion uh, passed uh, a certain point. Even for the health of the mother, uh, that's not an excuse. And I'm, I'm here to say that if uh, my wife were pregnant and uh, the child was going to compromise her health so significantly she might not survive the, the pregnancy, uh, we're going to avoid the pregnancy. I mean, that's just all there is to it. That
2: should at least be an option.
1: Oh, it has to be an option. But uh, that being an option, I, I I can't imagine making the decision. Nope, I want this child so much. It's okay with me if my wife dies. No, it's uh, so you you can't deprive a woman of the uh, of the right to survive. Um, uh, so it's a lot to it. I don't think Texas has uh, thought it through. Uh, very well. And normally I'm I'm in favor of those things that uh, challenge the politics of the day. Uh, but in this case, unless there's something I'm missing, this does not seem to be one of them. All right. May Yah bless. We look forward to being with you this time next week. And uh, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom. Good
0: night. Good
1: night.
0: Oh my god, we're so getting fucking banned from YouTube,
2: Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.